This is Piper Butcher with her song Haunting Your Thoughts on Tell Craig Your Story Podcast. I'm Piper Butcher and you're listening to Tell Craig Your Story Podcast.
Hello everyone, Craig here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. Today we'll be speaking to singer-songwriter and recording artist Piper Butcher. Now Piper was born in Newcastle, Australia. Now Piper is 17 years old, turning 18 in September. Happy birthday. Piper has done a lot in her musical career. She started off busking and winning some musical awards for Best New Talent. And she's also had interviews on local radio stations as well. Now, Piper released her EP, September. Now, at the start of the podcast, you heard the first track, Haunting Your Thoughts. And at the end of the podcast, you will hear Soul Into Sand. Now, with the release of September, Piper went number two on the alternative charts on iTunes. Now, I was lucky enough to see Piper play at the Cambridge Hotel at Newcastle, supporting UMI. It was an amazing show, and she's a very talented musician, and I wish her nothing but success. But before we go, please go to our website. We're at Podbean. Tell Craig Your Story at podbean.com. We have a link tree there which tells you where Tell Craig Your Story podcast is streaming. We are on all the major streaming services. We are on all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And we have VK for our Russian listeners and WeChat for our Chinese listeners. At Till Craig Your Story. Alright, here we go. This is my chat with Piper Butcher on Till Craig Your Story podcast. Hi Piper, how are you going today? Fantastic, thank you so much for having me on. No worries. Thank you very much for your time. I know we've uh, had a few times where we've uh, scheduled clashes. Just a bit of background on where I saw you. I saw you and I were playing at the Cambridge Hotel in Newcastle, and I walked in, and you guys were setting up, and away you went. And yeah. I thought it was really, really cool. It was a good mix, like side guitar, lead guitar as well. Yeah. I really enjoyed the set. I, I go onto your Instagram and you're all dressed up, you're all dolled up. Last weekend you went to a variety fair. Yeah, yeah. Tell us so about it. I was a scholarship recipient from the Variety, variety the Children's Charity and uh, they supported me a lot with my music over the years and so I um, I do everything that I possibly can to give back to them because they helped me, you know, afford my musical equipment to be able to, to start off with music and do things like cover gigs and, uh, you know, have the, the speakers and the mixer and all of that nerdy stuff. <laughs> and so um, they helped me with that and they asked me to come along and sing alongside Melanie Dyer, which is another beautiful Australian talent. We sang a song together and I got up on my guitar and... I'm pretty um I'm pretty useless without a guitar. I don't know what to do with my hands, so it was great to get on there with that. <laughs> yeah, we sang and it was uh, the variety of chefs gala night, which had you know uh, some amazing pro chefs come and they cooked us a course each, and uh, it was wonderful to sit back and enjoy. There was a silent auction as well. We nearly snagged a, a an espresso machine, but we were outbidded, so uh, pretty rough for us. <laughs> yeah. And tell us about that Cambridge gig. I mean, you and I. They're absolutely excellent, yeah. That, how that process? Was it the same uh, booking or same agency or how did that all come about? 
So I'm a fully independent artist, so uh, I'm really lucky that I um, connect and work with many different agents, many different venues around, um, you know, my hometown of Newcastle and, you know, around and beyond. <laughs> but mm. um, with UMI, I was really lucky that Big Apache has been supporting me and Big Apache are <sighs> behind so many uh, different things. I could yes. go on and on. And they've supported me since my early years in music. I've been doing it for six years now. So uh, not as long as other people, but um, I'm still learning as I go. We all are. <laughs> but uh, I did some cover gigs at their venue called the Wickham Park Hotel. Mm-hmm. And, um, they're absolutely wonderful and they uh, said, oh, we're going to give you, um, you know, give you the opportunity to the management of UMI and if UMI and the management like you, then you're going to be on. So it was, uh, it was all up to the music and all up to the management and they said, yeah, so it was very exciting. Is that the first time that you've played with UMI or the second time? That was the first time, but I originally right. had the show scheduled for January with them, but unfortunately COVID had to postpone it, and we were worried it wasn't going to go on at all, but really lucky that we uh, came back with the July show. So tell us how it affected you as, a, as an independent musician. I really don't know where to start with it, to be completely <laughs> honest. You know, I've had my, my personal battles with COVID, and everybody's had a different story to tell, but... Uh, mm. Mine was, um, I was really, really lucky. I, I didn't get stuck into lockdown until I, I think it was August officially of last year. There was a couple of little bits here and there in, in March when COVID first started coming into play in 2020. But, um, yeah, I, I was really lucky that, um, in the town of Newcastle where I am, you know, we just did everything possible to be able to keep performing. And, you know, even when I was stuck not doing gigs and during that time of sticking in the house and, becoming closer and closer to insanity. Um, I did some <laughs> online gigs and uh, a lot of pages on Facebook and Instagram came out of the woodworks and said, you know, come onto our page and do a live video and, you know, just yeah. try to do anything to cheer up everybody else. And, mm. you know, and music makes me happy. And if I can do that and make other people happy, that's all you can ask. I went back to Newcastle and in May of 2022 and I put my mask on to go shopping with my dad and my dad said, what are you doing? That's crazy. You don't wear a mask anymore. That's so 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the restrictions uh, in Australia have got a lot looser. I think that's great that everybody can live a normal life. It's like another cold. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I definitely think it's important for everybody to stay as safe as possible. But I mean, at some point, we're all going to have to learn to uh, to live with it and, and get on with life, and it's great that we're all thinking positively about doing that. Yeah. Did you have any gigs there where you actually, because I heard that some musicians during that time, they weren't allowed, the, the crowd wasn't allowed to stand up during the performance? 100%. So, um, you know, when we weren't allowed outside, as I was saying before, we were doing the online concerts and anything possible like that mm. and um, I actually when there were still restrictions um, on in place I actually set up in my driveway and I because uh, you're still allowed to um, do exercise in your five kilometer radius of your house and so I walked yeah. along and uh, I put pamphlets in all of my neighbors letterboxes and said come out and sit on your driveways and I'm going to perform and I I got my gear out and I fully faced it out into the street and everybody came and, and loved that but um 
in terms of gigs and actually, um, you know, performing in venues again after that big change, mm. people weren't allowed to yeah. dance or sing or shout, as you were saying, stand up unless you were going to the bathroom. I mean, it's, it's quite strenuous because you're going out to have a good time, but there's all these restrictions. But, yeah. I mean, it's, it was a stepping stone of coming back to normal, and I'm still yes. lucky that I could play when I could, and I still can now. So with, despite all of that craziness, I'm, I'm glad we're back to full force now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and I hope that uh, for the rest of the world they can sort of have this same sort of uh, philosophy as Australia does because I think it's working. All right, just a quick review for 2022 for you, uh, Piper. Uh, what are some of the highlights uh, so far for this year? There's been so many, to be completely honest. I'm really lucky to be where I am and be doing my original music more so this year. It's been my big focus. I released my uh, first um, lot of music last year, my first EP, and coming into this year, I knew that I wanted to focus on that more. So starting in January, I had some big shows planned like UMI. Unfortunately, it was rescheduled and we just have to focus on that. Mm. It, was, it was quite uh, crappy. <laughs> But um, yeah. so uh, after January, you know, had its lull and everything was sort of cancelled out, um, I started the year off properly in February with my first band gig and I played it at a local festival um, around the Newcastle region and it was wonderful to be able to come back and see everybody singing and dancing along and it yeah. was great to see the support from original music as well and that, you know, just started my year off like on a high and I just knew that that's what I wanted to be um, focusing on more. And so in March, I went to uh, the Grove Studios down in Central Coast here in uh, NSW, Australia. And it was really wonderful to be able to get back into the studio and revisit, um, you know, the, the whole band vibe in the studio and learn all of these new techniques with a new producer and uh, his name's Matt Fell, actually. I should touch on him because he is just absolutely wonderful. So, yes, Matt, um, he's been in the industry for years and years and years, and uh, I'm really lucky to have him on board and for the first single that came out in June, and we'll touch on that in a minute. But uh, Yeah. So he has been absolutely wonderful to work with and taught me so much about, you know, changing a song and, and pushing it to be the best version of itself. And it's been really great to learn that. At the end of March, coming into April and then early June, I did a tour of that song before it came out. And so I played in cities, um, you know, from Sydney to Tamworth to my hometown of Newcastle. And I opened for a lot of different artists, um, some big highlights in there. Um, some Aussies would know Russell Morris. Huge. I him. Um, then um, some American um, household name called Robin Ford. He's absolutely wonderful blues guitarist, and it was a pleasure yes. to meet him in the band. So uh, that was an amazing experience and something that really immersed me in that blues and rock more so than everything, and it helped me to evolve um, again this year into being more of a, a I would say, a genre-fluid artist because I love to, you know, incorporate elements of, of blues and rock and, you know, even a little bit of country, folk, a little, just everything. <laughs> so it was yeah. wonderful doing that. And uh, I released the song in June and it was great to be able to finally have a, a new song, Baby, into the world. Uh, my last release was in September of last year. So 
took a long mm-hmm. time for me to get back, but it was so great to be, you know, in in the uh, industry again. <laughs> yes, so absolutely. And, and July came around and the UMI show, which was wonderful. And uh, I've been super, super busy uh, planning the next couple of months. And at the end of July, I had a co-headline show with a beautiful friend here in Newcastle. And it was great to see everybody come out and love live music and dance and and just be in the moment. So that's where I am at the moment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I just a uh, quick list of some of the perf- people that you've performed with. I've got down here Diesel, Casey Chambers, The Black Sorrows, Richard Clapton. That's just to name just a few. So uh, they're pretty top high in Australia. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So let's go back to where you were born. So I do believe that you were born in the Hunter Valley. Is that right? Yes, so I've been born and bred in Newcastle, and uh, I've I've travelled a lot um, with music. But other than that, I haven't really left uh, the Newcastle area for my entire life. But I look forward to uh, getting uh, out of the of the region and expanding with my music very soon. So tell us about growing up in Newcastle, and were your mum and dad sort of influences on you and music uh, growing up? Were they a part of the entertainment industry? or? Well, mum and dad never actually did music uh, at all. I mean, they dabbled in high school when it was, uh, you know, a little bit easy to access, but my dad originally, um, he was born in Melbourne, but um, my mum and him met on the South Coast NSW, and it was... Uh, big love story, high school sweethearts, and so <laughs> it moved all around and ended up in Newcastle. And uh, it was, you know, they've been very supportive of me and my music. And I'm an only child, so I'm really lucky to have their full attention. <laughs> <laughs> Where did all this um, music ability come from then? If your parents weren't involved in this sort of, industry? it's a it's a bit of a mystery. To be honest, <laughs> but um, my dad does play a few chords on the guitar, and he taught me my first three chords. You know, with those three chords, it sort of unlocked uh, something in my brain, and I just stemmed from there. And my mum loves singing around the house. She's always been the biggest fan of karaoke, and so, uh, <laughs> it's, it's uh, a good start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great start with with those with those two. And uh, I I began playing guitar from when I was. 11, 10 or 11, so uh, a little while ago now. So when did you sort of realise that, you know, this was what you wanted to do? Was it very early on where you started singing in choirs or in in school? Um, Well, I actually never did music in school, actually, so I kept music completely separate. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm fully self-taught and fully, you know, um, I've I've been singing since I was a tiny tot and, and things like that. Uh, when I picked up the guitar firstly, I thought, oh, this was really, really fun. I'll try and see how good I can get at this and did a couple of live performances. But it wasn't until I was probably 13 that I decided that this was going to be something that I really want to focus on for my career. You know, I used to be really, really academic and I used to want to put that first. And, you know, I still strive to be the best in, in every aspect that I can. But music is always going to come first for me now because that brings me so much joy. So in the future, like, is there a backup plan? Like, if you said you're very academic, like, is there any other thing, or is it just music? And then after that, we'll figure something out. 
just just music for now. Um, I'm living okay. it in the moment and um, thoroughly enjoying it. You know, I have a, a massive bunch of music family, I guess you could call them, that are all around the country, and I really uh, hope to catch up and and cement those connections and make more in the in the future years and hopefully travel overseas as well. Yeah, and music in Newcastle, it's something that I'm pretty passionate about, like getting live musicians from Newcastle and sort of pushing them. Uh, I've just seen over the years that, that there's lesser venues in Newcastle. I mean, there's always going to be people coming from Newcastle, but then if you want to sort of make it, then you might have to go to Sydney or Melbourne to to get signed or do an album. So with your opinion, you're playing regularly in Newcastle. What is the music industry like in Newcastle? And can you survive as a musician there? Uh, it really depends on what you'd like to do. You know, I've only taken this first step of original music um, this past one and a half to two years, and I've been really mm. lucky. You know, I'm I'm only 17 at the moment, so I'm still living at home and, you know, getting as many experiences as I, as I can under the belt. But um, I, I have a lot of my friends are quite older, and it's great mm. to see them doing what they want to do. The music industry in Newcastle is something that's, very, very warm and caring. We're such a big family, yes. and that goes for every mm. every place, every person. But um, I think the to be able to have your own success and feel like you've made it in whatever right that you feel is worthy for yourself, I think it's important yes. to just believe that it's uh, definitely not a competition and every person is yes. different, so there's always going to be a place for someone. And as long as you focus on that and you uh, just put your head down and just keep working. I've worked for everything and I, I pay for everything myself and I always mm. strive to have the independence in my career and in my life. And I want that to shine through and I want to connect with people with that. So as long as you're you know, working hard, putting yourself out there and making sure that you know that everybody has their own path and, and your time will come. I think that's the only thing you can do and you can define your own success. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. And the one thing that I liked about you know, doing research on your Piper was you were busking, you know, all these pictures of your busking, and then you'll get a gig. Busking, yeah. busking, busking, busking everywhere and going up to the Tamworth Country Music Festival. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but I just really liked how you just got out there. Like yeah. it's Obviously, it's a definite passion and – People, more pe- more and more people are going to see that how passionate you are, and I hope for uh, bigger things to come. Is that what you? Is that what your plan was at the start, just to play anywhere? And I um I really didn't know what I was doing. To be completely honest, at the start, I definitely knew that I wanted to reach as many people as possible, and I found mm. that was um, the most easiest and the most accessible with getting a busking permit and contacting whether it's markets or venues or places like that and being able to busk. And, is that um, difficult? Sorry, Piper, is, is that difficult? No. Is it difficult uh, It's um, I mean, you got to go through the paperwork and the paperwork's, you know, hard yakka. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think busking, you know, you got to find that passion and if you have that love for it yourself, that's what you got to focus on because busking is a lot of highs, 
but mostly a lot of lows and you really have to be prepared to put on a performance. And someone that says this best is Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. He always says, no matter if there's one person in the room or 100,000 people in one room, to always put on your best performance. And that's what I always strive to do. And that's how I, you know, I, I started out busking and, and went from there. So tell us about the first gig that you actually played or the first time you actually did a performance. I'm always interested to hear about this. And uh, did you get paid for it? My first ever live performance um, of, you know, me singing and playing the guitar, you know, um, what I would classify as my first professional performance was an open mic night. Oh gosh. It only, um, it was in June. It was the first of June. And I distinctly remember that because it's my mother's birthday. And if I forgot that date, oh, I wouldn't hear it. <laughs> You're in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, that was probably six years ago. Um, first of June. And, uh, we had a dinner to celebrate her birthday and it was wonderful. Great time. And it was just the three of us, my mum, my dad and I. We went into this small uh, place in Newcastle called the Hood Milk Bar and we wanted to just grab a coffee and just sit back and just take in the night and what a wonderful day it has been for the three of us. And we realised that there was an open mic going uh, by a man called Harry Hookie and he actually did a lot of stuff with Casey Chambers, if that name's familiar to anyone. <laughs> and, um Ah, absolutely. <laughs> and um, so she, uh, oh, well, he, Harry, um, was performing and my mum was dancing along to a cover that he performed and he actually asked her to get up and she said, oh, gosh, no, no way. But my daughter actually plays and sings. And so I eventually got up on his guitar and I played a song by uh, Angus and Julia Stone. And uh, so, yeah, I was 11 and I just distinctly remember being so nervous. There was about 10 people in this big room and, you know, it felt like the world was at my feet after that one song. Harry played harmonica and sang along as I played his guitar and, and sang this tune that I just had been playing in my bedroom. Yeah, right. What music were you listening to at the time? Like what, what influences at that stage like early think, on? Um, there were so many different influences and, and I think it's always changing. But at that time, yes. I mean, um, probably some of the biggest ones were people like Angus and Julia Stone. <laughs> mm. Absolutely yeah. loved them. I, I was getting into a lot of Missy Higgins. I was getting into John Mayer. Keith Urban's always been a big one. I love his energy and I just love his whole vibe. His guitar playing is amazing. The same oh. as John Mayer. I think Keith Urban's guitar playing is extremely underrated. I Absolutely. think he should get more more accolades for his guitar playing. But, He's uh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, to um, you know, I've only just been recently shown that they've done a couple of gigs together, both John and Keith. So that was wonderful to see as well. Right. Yeah. That's really cool. So you're playing away. You played your first gig. You're, you're doing busking. And I just noticed, too, like that... It's not, it wasn't just Newcastle. You were traveling every weekend. Like, so were your mum and dad were like, okay, come on, let's go. Or like, or were you the one sort of egging them on to sort of help you to travel to all these places? Like, 
Like, well, yeah, I think it was a bit of both parties because uh, mum and dad have always loved supporting me. You know, they used to mm. travel to take me to uh, public speaking competitions or spelling bees. You know, I'm I'm an absolute dork, so yeah. <laughs> I started <laughs> off with that, and that sort of gained my confidence of going in and and doing live music performances. And so, um, I was always, you know, wanting to find any opportunity, and and mum's. Um, absolutely a Facebook thing so she was on Facebook and finding all of these places and I said okay let's do that 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 and so we'd always apply and you know the the best thing you can do is ask the question and um, a lot of people were really into supporting emerging talent and the more that I went out the more that I I found supporters and I found friends in the industry and the more open mic nights it was better to find people that had a little bit more knowledge in the industry that could help me and um, yeah. understand not only the entertainment side but the business side and making those networking mm. connections. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like for equipment, and especially even now, I saw like a a, a picture of you and you're in this room full of guitars. How many guitars do you actually have at the moment? I actually have not counted. To be completely honest yeah. with you, I just look at them and I just. Oh, it's, it's ridiculous. I, I'm very proud of my collection, but uh, I've recently just gotten uh, a new guitar this year. It's a Vox Bobcat, so it's an electric guitar, and you would have seen that at uh, the Cambridge Hotel that yes. night in early July. That was its first ever performance, so that oh, was really on. exciting. But um, yeah. I also have an, an original series Stratocaster. I have a um, Telecaster that I play my slide guitar on. I have um, my Maiton acoustic guitar, and let me tell you, Maitons are elite. My goodness, I would not be anywhere <laughs> without that Maiton guitar. It's been, sure. oh, I've had it for three years maybe, and it's it's been with me just about every gig. There's only been a couple of gigs that I've played fully electric this year because I've been getting more into band music um, and, you know, developing my sound with the band. And... Um, you know, there's just been so many guitars that have come and gone and gosh, I just, I wish I could have them all and just store them in a, I was talking to my best friend about it. Um, when we are a little bit older and we're absolutely rich, cause that's definitely going to happen. We just keep manifesting uh, in our brains. Um, yeah. but we're, we're going to buy a house and we're going to, instead of having a wine cellar, we're going to have a guitar cellar downstairs. That's oh, thing. nice. Yeah. Well, like, so. a, like a little museum of guitars. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And we're jumping ahead a little bit, but is it because of the sound of the guitar or how it looks? Like, like, are you getting Uh, more involved in like the sound, or you just go, "Oh, yeah, that that, I like that." How I mean, there was um, there was so there's still so much debate about what's the best guitar, and I don't I don't think that anybody will find the best guitar because there's so much variety in the world, and everybody has uh, their own valued opinion. But um, with me finding a mate and guitar, I absolutely loved the one that I have now because um, it has a different wood on the top than, um, you know, a regular 808 mate. And it has a cedar wood top, which makes the tone nice and warm. And I love that mm. deeper, warmer sound in comparison to something with black, pardon me, black wood or something, you know, other than that. I'm not going to get into too much talk about woods and yeah. guitars, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so I, I definitely look and consider that. I look at the pickup. I have an AP5 Pro, mm. which is um, quite great for maintenance, uh, top of the line for the maintenance guitars at the moment. But um, 
so many different things. I mean, the quality of the strings, there's the, yes. um, and then you get into electric guitars and that's a whole other world with, you know, the, the type of wood for your body, the type of finish. Oh, well, I mean, that's just preference, but then you look at the, uh, the wood on the fretboard and the mm-hmm. neck and, you know, the headstock. And then you look at the different pickups and da, 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 da goes on and on. But specifically for the main, I absolutely love that one because it had that warmer sound. My voice gets um, quite loud and I can go mm. down quite quite low and, and sultry and, you know, I'm, I'm quite deep and, and raspy. So I love that that can complement me in a way. Yeah. It's all, again, it's all about your, your choice. Like whatever exactly. sounds good, like some guitars on you feel really heavy and then some are really light. And then if you want to be running around and then you can't have this super heavy, heavy Gibson. Yeah. So... Yeah, I use three or four guitars on stage. So, yeah, it just all depends on the song and the... 100%. Yeah. I want to talk about, let's go back to uh, your early days. I, I come up here saying Byron Bay Busking Camp. Tell us a little bit about that. So it was the uh, Byron Bay Busking Competition that I was in a couple of years. And the mm. first year that I went in it, I'm trying to remember, it was, it was a while ago now, but um, I was into the heats and I went up to Byron Bay to the youth center and I performed and I got a spot playing at the food court at Byron Bay Blues Fest, which was so thrilling for me. Oh, it was yeah. so exciting. And then um, the, the next, or it wasn't the next year, but a, a couple of years after I went back and I decided to go in it again and I actually got into the finals. I was in the top three. And in that top three, the busking, I was the only female and the only soloist. So the rest mm. were boys and bands. So I was very excited right. that I had that opportunity. And so I was in the finals and unfortunately, um, some other people took it out, but I had, the, I had a performance at Blues Fest. So yeah. that was and absolutely wonderful. Was it an hour set? I'm trying to remember. It was a while ago now, but... Um, but if if you were going to do a one hour set, what would you play? Like, was it was it still covers at that time, or were, were you actually uh, sort of originals? Yeah. I was definitely getting into more of the originals, and um, you know, I I wanted to showcase my sound to Blues Fest because I I think that that would be you know a, a great place to to show it. I mean, there's every festival and every opportunity possible would be a great place to show it. But when I was, you know, starting to, to get my, uh, my credits up, I, uh, I really wanted to mm. push myself and, and really try something new. And of course I did have covers and it's, it's always great to have one or two covers in the set, but mm. I was definitely pushing more for originals and finding my own sound. So uh, for a set that you do now, is it primarily just originals? Do you still throw a cover in every once in a while if it's a longer set? Well, uh, speaking of um, the, the most recent band gig I did, I had one cover in an hour set and it was wonderful and, and we just chucked it in for a bit of fun. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that can be quite transient. You know, for the next gig, we'll probably change it into something else. And that's completely that's cool. But um, I absolutely love my original music and I, I really wouldn't want to be doing anything else. So it's definitely not a primary uh, list <laughs> is my original music, especially the stuff that I've released. And uh, people sing along to that now, which is wonderful. And testing the waters with new songs and seeing what people like and what I should record next. 
Yeah, absolutely. Hold on. And then we come along in your sort of like the starting your career. And then I saw that you got a you got your first gig. Uh, at, yeah, it was us. You're doing something right if, if you're going to get if you're starting to play gigs there. So tell us about that experience. The first time playing there. The first time playing there was for a live and local night. So uh, that was where three acts would get up and perform. There'd be a solo, a, a duo, or a trio, and then a full band. And so mm. I started out there, and luckily enough. Um, with the performance that I had there, the owner of the venue, the wonderful Brian Lazotte, he uh, yes. came up to me and he absolutely loved what I did. And so he wanted to book me. And uh, so I opened two nights for Johnny Diesel, which is his brother. And so it was absolutely wonderful to be able to to meet him and, and learn so much from him on and off stage and to be able to play to an audience that's, willing to hear, um, you know, a couple of my songs and a, a couple of um, covers, and I absolutely love turning covers into uh, my own arrangements. So it was, it was very quirky, <laughs> but uh, ah. the audience um, was absolutely beautiful, and I'll definitely remember those two nights forever. <laughs> At Lazotte's, it's everybody sitting down and clapping, but then you're playing with you and I, and everybody's standing up and cheering and clapping and, and, and dancing, so... Do you have a different set for these particular shows or do you sort of stick with the same one? Uh, well, I actually uh, create my set list for, for bands, um, for band performances. It's um, in advance and I talk to the band and we usually have a couple of extra songs in lieu so that we can read the crowd because it's always great to read the crowd. Yes. And that's, um, you know, with solo performances, I actually... I actually get my set ready before my performance while I'm in the venue. I look around at the crowd and I, um, you know, sort out my set list there and then. Uh, it's either on a serviette or a coaster or a piece of paper, anything like that that I have around because I like to feel the moment and I like to see what the crowd's doing. That's really cool. Tell us about the Tamworth Country Music Festival. For those people who don't know about the Country Music Festival, it's one of the most popular events uh every year in australia people uh, not only just in country music but in all styles of music go up there to celebrate it and then they give out the country music awards so you've had a lot of involvement the last couple of years so tell us about your experiences with uh, the country music awards yes i've been going there for um four years and so this year um it was meant to be uh, one of those magic January gigs that um, didn't happen, but uh, it got postponed in the festival. It was in its 50th year this year, so wow. they, uh, they moved it until to the April. And so I had my first ever um, Tamworth Country Music Festival headline show this year. So it was really wonderful to be able to make that happen on the 50th year anniversary and be able to, um, you know, get some people out to listen to some live music. And that festival is what it's all about. Um, as you said, people of all different genres, and um, it was really wonderful to do that. It was my first time at the Golden Guitar Awards, which is um, mm. the, the big award event. And so I got to walk the red carpet, and I got all dressed up fancy. Which Come on. I love doing. <laughs> yeah. And one of the uh, the big promoters for original music in Newcastle, which I think is great, is 1233 ABC. I've seen that you've been interviewed by Paul. 
who I, I know very well uh, through cricket. What were those experiences like? I've seen you in there and you've played on the radio a couple of times. So tell us about those experiences. Oh, it's been wonderful. And the team always looks after me. And you know, I've had a couple of experiences going in there with, with a friend or whether it's solo and, and doing mm. performances and, and chatting about what's next, what's been happening, left, right and centre. And it's, it's always a fun chat. And um, actually... Kaya Hanley from um, the radio actually came up to my Tamworth show and she actually, uh, she was talking to me and we had a little bit of an interview. As soon as I stepped off stage, she came and grabbed me and we did a little thing for her podcast. So it was very fun. That's really cool. That's awesome. Are you getting used to doing these interviews now? Uh, It's lots of fun. I absolutely love meeting new people and, and chatting about life, but yeah, it's great because sometimes I surprise myself with what I say. <laughs> and you never know what's going to happen. You know, who's going to listen to it, who's going to see it. Absolutely. Who, who knows? One thing that really made me, like, give it, get a smile and make me happy was one of the videos that you had on Instagram when you went into the competition for the New FM Star Award. Yeah, the new Star Award, yep. Yeah, so tell us about how what, what that was all about and uh, the vid- little video that you had on the, on Instagram. So the new Star Award was something that um, a radio station in Newcastle and mm-hmm. uh, it's had several different categories, I believe, from, from creative arts um, to music to sports to community to, you know, everything. And um, so you were able to nominate yourself and once you got into uh, the finals, then you could um, <clears throat> you could invite people all from social media, from text messages, you know, absolutely everything to get online and cast you a vote. And the person or the child, I should say, uh, with the most votes at the end of the voting round was considered the new star winner. So I was really lucky. I got everybody on board for that. And I won the new FM New Star Award, and uh, it was very, very fun. Thank you so much. <laughs> and uh, what was the prize? Did you get like a recording studio time, or what was the prize for that? Everybody got a uh, a small little um, a tablet to be able to use and to to go on, and you know it, it actually helped everybody because you know whether it was with academic studies or, you know, something with music like myself or helping wow. out to-do lists, to apps, to writing, to left everything. Right. All right, so I, want, I wanted to talk about uh, Marcus and uh, Big Apache. Uh, yes. How, how have they helped you with your sort of musical career so far? So um, I started off doing um, cover gigs in their Wickham Park Hotel venue, and that's how uh, Marcus – found me and uh, it was wonderful to establish a relationship with both him and Aaron, um, the two uh, biggest hardworking people um, that you've ever, ever seen. And, you know, they're always on the go, always doing something and always trying their best to help out other people. And so I uh, I originally started doing the cover gigs and, and working my way up there. And um, Marcus actually asked me to do a, a couple of, concerts there so um in conjunction with um other musos as well so i did a concert for the big bushfires fire band oh cool so um yeah that was an inaugural festival that um 
happened a, a fair few times. And um, just across the road, there's the, the Wickham Park, which obviously the hotel's named oh. after. <laughs> the Wicker. Is it still the Wicker? Just the Wicker? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the Wicker, yeah. And so I, um, I was over in the park and they asked me to perform at the toy run as well. So that was mm. great to be able to do that. And over the years, we've... Um, you know, established a really great connection and they've asked me most recently to um, do UMI but also to be a part of the Sound Station Music and Arts Festival which they're holding and the Screaming Jets are headlining that so that's going to be great fun in the end of oh, August. Come and, on. Um, yeah, so there was actually a band competition going ahead for that and they asked me to, to come on board and help judge it so that was lots of fun as well. Really cool. Yeah, Jets, come on. If you don't like the Jets from Newcastle, there's something wrong. That, that's so uh, cool that remarkable. you get a chance. Yeah. All right, so let's go into your originals. Was it always the idea to bring out uh, singles first rather than bring out a whole EP or a whole album? I mean, it always changes. And um, I think with social media the way it is now, the easiest way to catch people's attention and, and catch an eye is a single or something like that until you are yes. that next level of an established artist. And so I actually started out and I released two singles off of an EP last year. So I gave people a little bit of a taste to, to get going. And then I released my EP in September. And the EP went really great. And I'm, I'm really, really proud of it. So uh, it was wonderful. Um, and it was a lot of lot of hard work to be able to put out five tracks and just say to people, hey, I mean, I have five songs. You should listen to them all right now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, in the end, I've been really lucky that I've been in the industry um, for a, a few years. And so I have I've really tried my hardest to, to get the fan base, friends, family and beyond to yes. um, get get more and more keen for the music and, and keep that that line going in the suspense before I did release my first lot of music. Okay. With the first EP, how are you writing the songs? Are you writing the songs by yourself or do you write, you write the song and then you get the other musicians to come in? And then, and then, and then the second question is how do you, how do you choose the musicians that you play with? So the, the musicians that I, uh, that I played with, on this most recent recording as well as the EP. I've had them both in on the sessions because I just absolutely love them and I've built a connection over the past couple of years. But I met them at an open mic night and I got up and, and jammed with them and we really dug it and so we traded contact details and I started doing gigs with them. And they're like all my big brothers now and uh, they're doing amazing things for themselves. And so I've, you know, started to make new connections and started building a band for myself because they're off touring and, and doing more things for, for themselves and starting families and all that grown up stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but um, with my music, I mean, I always, always write from heart, no matter if it's a fake story or not. <laughs> I always... Mm always write with the emotion that comes to me. And uh, I on the EP, I have two songs that I had co-written and it was really fun to, to try something like that and mm. um, try to collaborate with different styled artists. And yeah. so the first track and the second track were co-written and uh, both artists living in Queensland, funnily enough. So one was written over lockdown. <laughs> so is the first one May the 3rd? Yeah, haunting your thoughts. <laughs> 
Yes, I wrote that with uh, Sammy White. She's an artist living uh, up in Yepoon in Queensland, very north Queensland. So she's been wonderful. She was living in Newcastle at the time, and we decided to uh, get together on Valentine's Day, and we wrote this really, really mean, badass song on Valentine's Day. (laughs) (laughs) Are you sort of writing the guitars? And and how does it start? Is Is it a riff or a melody for you? Uh, I think it's different with every song. And with that mm. song, I had a couple of lyric ideas written and I had the basis of the verse started. And so mm. she took it from there and she said, oh, you know, a flick through. And I played her a couple and she said, oh, this one's really good. I'm I'm loving this. And so we started that and we, we changed a couple of things. And I mean, I always, 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 always love writing the music to it. Um, there's just another creative beam inside me that lights up aside from lyrics where I can create the music, I can create the riffs, I can, you know, do that sort of thing. And now that I'm getting a little bit better with my guitar as it goes on and I'm able to play more lead work and I'm able to do my own solos and things on stage, I feel like I have a little bit more confidence in doing that for myself. And then I, you know, when I do get into the studio, I bring that to the band and say, hey, here's an idea, let's work on this more and see if we can, you know, get this to be the best version of itself. That's really cool. Have you ever been taught uh, with your singing? Or is that uh, natural? Uh, well, I've, I've mostly self-taught myself, but, I mean, I did a couple of um, singing school fun little things when I was quite younger with the, the dance and the singing and the posing and, and all that sort of thing, but um, never really professionally. Right. And then you had the second one, Before the Thunder. <laughs> Tell us about Before the one. Thunder. So that's a song that I wrote. I remember I was sitting um, on the floor and the very corner of my lounge, I had a, a one of my writing books. I have several around the house. Just whenever I get inspiration, I just pick the closest one up to me and start, you know, writing or singing or playing. Yeah. And so with that song, um, I had a specific story um, going on um, in my life that I just needed to get out on paper. And um, a a lady that I know, she was trying to take something from me and she didn't really deserve it and she didn't work hard like I did for it. And so that was a song saying she's she's a little bit um, ahead of her time and she wants the rain before the thunder. Oh, there you go. So before this, I saw this one or two photos. You're sitting in a, in a hospital. You'll have to explain it to me because I don't know too much about it. You had mouth surgery? Yes, so uh, after I went um, into the studio in 2020 to record these songs, I mm. um, in early of 2021, in January, I had a cleft palate surgery. So I was born with a cleft palate, which meant that I had no roof of my mouth when I was born. And so when I was 18 months old, I had a couple of surgeries to fix that up. And as mm. I've been growing and I'm singing so much and I'm a very loud person, so um, my palate has stretched a little bit and it just wasn't closing correctly. And so we just corrected that and just slightly repaired it. So I'm singing and I have the closure and I'm able to project with ease and I'm able to sing and have more control. And so that took a long time for me. That took from January to March, I had off of music. Yeah. It was so, so, so difficult for me to be able to get back on board, especially after lockdown. Everybody was out playing yes. and I had that extra time off. And so it was difficult, but it, I um, I wrote a lot of songs in that time. Right. Uh, I'm glad to hear that it all went well and you're back, you're back fully fit. Thank fighting. You. 
And uh, and I don't need to get personal, but will you have to have like another one in the future, or, or is that no more? Uh, we're looking. Uh, it, it definitely won't be any time too soon. So I just gotta have to keep monitoring it and, and keep looking after myself and, and looking after my voice in the best way possible and not hurting it because the voice is a muscle. So always using it and keep training it. So Sing, um, singing too loud and proud. Uh, Piper. <laughs> Getting in. <laughs> so, uh, and it all, I also see that you've got your own, like, the Apple charts. I did, um, my, my EP did go to the top of the iTunes charts. That's there you go. We're having a look at. But, um, so the EP on release day and the day following, it went to number one on the alternative album chart and number two overall. So, it was very exciting. I've got a screen recording of it on my phone. And so you, you opened iTunes and, you know, my EP was at the top next to Ed Sheeran and, wow. um, and Kanye and all those artists and, you know, new releases on iTunes in Australia by Butcher. <laughs> and it was insane. I was, I was so stoked about it. And, um, you know, to be sitting on top of the alternative charts, uh, and, you know, on top of Lord and Billie Eilish, Dua Lipa, all those people. And I thought that they'd be all pop, but apparently they're alternative. So I uh, had a lot of competition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is alternative music now? Yeah, it's oh, very absolutely. interesting. So, yeah, as you said, uh, September come out in September 2021. Who would have thought? Um, and you've been pushing it like really hard. I've noticed that you're getting uh, lots of gigs. What is it like the next step? Uh, do you plan to do uh, something similar to that for this year? Like in terms of bringing out singles, then bring out an EP, or, or what are the sort of plans now? I'm doing a couple of singles at the moment, and I'm really looking forward to getting back into the studio because my sound just is always evolving. And um, you know, with mm. with the EP that I did, I know I um, I recorded it in December of 2020, and I didn't release it until September of 2021. So it was a long, long time for me to just be sitting on that material because I wanted to be. Um, in tip-top shape after my surgery to be able to sing the songs to everybody and, um, you know, actually take that out and, and sing it to everybody as well as being, you know, having it available to buy. So I had to wait on that time and it took a long time and um, my sound had evolved since then. And that's the thing with this year, you know, I, I released a song in June of this year and I recorded it in March and, and it was great to be able to have it out so close to the to the recording date, and and people do it in in the in the blink of an eye. But um, I absolutely loved it, and I've got another one coming out very um in the next couple of months. So exciting times! Excellent. And is this are these recordings? I saw that you had a vinyl of it. Is that and yes? You're... It was very exciting. I got ten. How cool is that? Yeah, yeah, 10 limited edition vinyl presses of the um, two songs from the EP. And so there's one on each side and actually uh, got everybody to go into a drawer. And uh, if you were coming to um, one of the shows, um, you went into the drawer and you sent me a screenshot of something. Gosh, I don't remember anymore, but sent a screenshot and um, I actually drew the prize and um, someone got a limited edition vinyl and then I've given a couple to everybody that worked on the EP, so mm. it was wonderful. That's really cool. And is it still available? 
the EP is available everywhere. The the vinyls were the limited edition, so they're um, right. not available anymore. So there was the, just the 10 copies of that, and they're all distributed to everybody, which is super exciting. Uh, but the EP is available on Bandcamp to be able to uh, mm. purchase, as well as live shows. And, you know, that's the easiest way to, to help me out as an independent musician. But if that's not your bag, then there's also streaming, iTunes, absolutely everything like that as well. Awesome. Plans for the future and what gigs do you have coming up? I have lots of gigs coming up. It's so very exciting and so many that I actually can't talk about yet. <laughs> oh, I see these like uh, videos and I can't tell you, but I'm really excited. Like you'll have to keep watching. <laughs> Absolutely, no. It's it's hard to keep everybody on that little yeah, that's on it. string. <laughs> yeah. What can you tell our podcast? Tell Craig your story. August is is going to be great. I'm going to be opening for Cav Templey from Eskimo Joe. Um, wow, which is that's going to be, cool. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited for that. And um, I'm actually doing a local gig at a at a place called Five Sawyers in Newcastle, which you know mm. I, I started out there. And it's just going to be great to be back and um, in that environment again where they were one of the first venues that uh, encouraged my original music. And so I can't wait to be back there and, and play more and and really showcase how I've evolved since last time I played there. And at the end of the month, there's going to be Sound Station Music and Arts Festival, as we were talking about earlier, put on by Big Apache. And then in September, I'll be turning 18, so I'm going to have oh. my 18th birthday party, which is actually a music festival that I've put on oh. at the uh, the Wickham Park Hotel. So uh, it's called Bout Time, and it's got uh, six acts, I believe, three, um, three soloists and three bands, including myself. And it's going to be so, so much fun. And then I've got Blues on the Mountain on the Central Coast at the end of September, which is going to be a, a full Blues Day festival. And it's going to be with PJ O'Brien and Ray Beadle. And then I've got more and more and more coming up. And I just I just could babble about it all day. But <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's me in a nutshell. And I'm just going to keep going. And social media is definitely the best way to find out what I'm doing next. And tell us about that. Uh, where can we find you? Piper? My name is Piper Butcher, and that's the easiest way to find me. You can look me up on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, I suck at Twitter, but I am on there. If anybody has free lessons on, on how to go viral on Twitter, I'm all ears. <laughs> <laughs> all the major streaming services? Yeah, like, like, all the yeah. major streaming services, absolutely everywhere, everywhere that you can think of. And if you don't have anything or you, you don't know how to search me up, you can actually Google my name, Piper Butcher, and Google comes up with all my links and says, Piper Butch is a musician. Ta-da. So that's very exciting as well. <laughs> that's awesome. And international touring? Oh, I'd absolutely love to. Uh, my passport mm-hmm. is very close to being done. So we're oh. just a couple of, couple of um, weeks away, hopefully, and we can start planning for what's next overseas. So I think the U.S. will be right up your alley, and I think a lot of fans will be really into you, like Nashville and that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Nashville and Memphis and L.A. Even you know, I I I Mm. would I would take any opportunity I could to go overseas, you know, and and play my music to any crowd, no matter the place or the the people. It'll just be so exciting to be able to travel and, and learn. Awesome. All right. Piper, before you go, I'd just like to do like a little, your top two or three favorite things. Okay. All right. So first question is, who are your 
top three favorite Australian musicians or bands Ooh. as of today. As of today. As of today, okay, so I absolutely love Ocean Alley. They're an awesome psychedelic rock band, and I've been listening to them for years. It's just absolutely wonderful to hear their music. Every time they release something, I get so excited. So I, I definitely couldn't put them in a one, two, three order, but these are my probably top three. Um, Thirsty Merc would be another one. Oh, absolutely on. rocking. So good. I noticed, just, I noticed yeah. you played a few gigs with them as well. Yeah, yeah, I did get to open for them, and it was That's wonderful cool. meeting them. And I had, I did a uh, masterclass with the lead singer Ray Thistleway, and it was wonderful ah. to, to get that from him. Oh, this is so tricky. I'd have to go with someone like Casey Chambers, just because she's been such a big influence on me personally, and you know, I've been able to sit with her and and learn so much from her one on one. And uh, one or two up and coming besides yourself musicians that we should look out for in Newcastle? Oh, Newcastle musicians. There's an amazing band called The Appointments, which is going to be playing at my uh, music uh, birthday festival, Shazam. <laughs> Come on. Um, I, I absolutely love them. They're reggae, rock, psych, and they're just so groovy and so fun to be around. Great people and great music. And another person would be Kingsley James. He's absolutely wonderful, so soulful. Definitely two to watch out for. That's really cool. Uh, your top two or three favourite all-time movies? Shrek, definitely. Mm-hmm. My goodness. I would go um, Shrek. I would go The Proposal, Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock. Amazing movie. I mean, I love my Marvel, but I couldn't just choose one. So I, I, if I could say the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe <laughs> yeah. as my third. Uh, books. Your top books. two or three favourite books that you've read. Oh. Um, I actually was just thinking about this. My my all-time favourite book, and I'm so glad you asked me this because I've been dying to tell someone, is The Owl and the Pussycat. It's the coolest <laughs> little book. Yeah. It's my absolute favourite of all time. Um, my second favourite would probably be a book called Onions in the Stew. And I've, I actually haven't even read all of it, but I, uh, I went into a furniture store so many years ago, I was probably, uh, I was I was under 10 years of age. I was very, very small. And um, I saw this big, big bookcase and there was all these dull books, but this this old yellow binded book stood out to me, Onions in the Stew. And I was wondering, what the hell is that? And I was so obsessed with it. And, and my mum and dad went around the whole furniture store and they were looking at everything else. And I just sat and I just looked at this book and I just wanted it. And I didn't even know what it was about. And I <laughs> I did not even know. But it, it turns out it's a life story about a lady called Betty. And she actually moved um, into a, to an island on the, the outside of America or something like that. Or uh, maybe it was in Europe. But, um, yeah, so I actually started reading it. And I didn't understand any of the words when I was, like, seven years old. I was like, oh, my God, these words are too extravagant for me. Still a great yes. book. I love it. But, um. The, the furniture store person said, yep, yeah, you can have the book. So <laughs> that's, been one of my favorites. that's definitely top two. So awesome. Okay, last question. Who is your greatest inspiration slash hero and why? Oh, that is a good question. That is a great question. I think definitely the, the easiest one to, to sum up in a small amount of time and 
please don't get me wrong, I have so many influences. But my my main one that I could easily say would be Dave Grohl because he's the one that kicked me off into um, stepping outside the box. And I, I went and saw a concert of the Foo Fighters um, years ago now in Sydney and I remember him saying um, in the middle of the concert, hey, kids, I want you guys, you know, if you want to do music to, to get into the shed and make noise, just make noise. And I was like, okay, Dave Grohl was basically telling me to have a music career. So, of course, I'm going to follow his advice. <laughs> and so I went in and that really inspired me to find my own sound and um, step out and, and try some new things. So that would be one of the, the biggest inspirations for me. Yeah. Uh, I remember a great quote that he, he said uh, with uh, American Idol. And he said that if, if he went on there when he was starting out, and he got voted off straight away. Uh, him, him as a kind of like a little shy guy, he probably wouldn't have played music again. And then yeah. there would have been no Nirvana, no Foo Fighters, no all these other bands that he's been a part of. So, like, like you just said, get in there, put some, you know, get any way that you can record. Just absolutely. Put it in. I think that's a great way to finish it off, there, Piper. Thank you very much for your time again. Good luck for the future. You're amazing talent. Yeah, hope I can come back to Australia and see more of your performances. Oh, thank you so, so much. It's been a joy.
I'm Tony Fair, founder of Victorian Grooming Company. Is your beard feeling dry or the skin underneath itchy? Maybe you'd rather soften and tame your beard instead. Our classic collection of beard oils, balms, and soaps will leave your beard looking, feeling, and smelling amazing. And if you prefer shaving, our pre-shave oils and shave soaps will give you a smooth and razor burn free shave. Handmade in Edmonton with natural ingredients, visit victoriangrooming.com.